Welcome to the Fourth Watch Podcast, where we practice the art of discernment in the public square, commenting on community, culture, and politics, primarily in the Inland Empire of Southern California. Here's your host, Tim Walborn. Hello, and welcome to week three of the Fourth Watch Podcast. This week in this week's podcast, that's redundant, I guess, right? Um, we're going to be discussing the California night or 2018 vote totals, presidential D-League briefly, and switching things up and a change of direction, I think. And also, we're going to talk about the art of discernment. But before we do, um, we have a quote from Andrew Jackson. As long as our government is administered for the good of the people and is regulated by their will, it will be worth defending. And we have another one from Noah Webster. The moral principles and precepts contained in the scriptures ought to form the basis of all our civil constitutions and law. And that was Noah Webster. All right, so thanks for joining me today. And uh, glad you're along for the ride. And uh, let's get started. Okay, this week's segment on Do the Math has to deal with the 2018 California general election. In that election, there were 25.2 million people eligible to vote. But there was only 12.7 million people who actually voted in that election, which is about 50.4% of the eligible voters. Not even the population, the eligible voters. So if we take that 12.7 million and we then divide it into the actual 39 million people, or if we actually look at it and say there's there's 29, not 39, but 29 million, 29.8 million adults in California, according to the U.S. Census in 2017, that means out of that, 29.8 million, 12.7 million voted. That's only 42% of the pop, of the adult population in California decided the direction of the state. But then if you break that up and say, wait, part of those were Republicans who didn't vote in the direction necessarily that we're going, and part of them, most of them were Democrats. So if we take that percentage of just using the uh, breakdown in the California uh, Assembly, or actually California Senate, 53 seats, 39 votes. This is before the election. There was 39 votes, and there's 14 afterwards. That means that 9.2 million of them were Democrats. That If you divide that 9.2 million into the 29 million, that means that less than... 31% of the adult population decided the direction of this state. That's That means there's two-thirds of the adult population who either didn't vote or voted Republican and may or may not agree with the direction that the state's going. We don't know because they didn't vote, right? But it just strikes me that 
that percentage determines the the kind of the socialist progressive direction that we're going as a state. So in the same set of research, I, I typed in churches in California, and I found a UCLA study from 2014 that talked about megachurches and basically said that there are over 200 megachurches in California, and they consider a megachurch any church that's over 2,000 members. So if there's 200 churches of at least 2,000 members, that means there's at least 400,000 Christians in California. Now, compared to the, that's only 1%, really, if it's 1% of the population. Now, but those are just megachurches. So 1% of the California population is inside of a megachurch in California. What if half of them, 200,000 of them, prayed every day for this state? What if 200,000 of them, or even all 400,000 of them, said something for Jesus Christ every day? No, I don't know that they're not. They might be. But I would think that if they were, our impact on society would be a little bit bigger. I don't know. I'm just thinking, and I haven't fully done the math on that one. But that's my hypothesis. So anyways, such a small population of the people determine the direction of the state. If 30% if of the church were to pray every day for the direction of the state and for the salvation of souls, we would probably see a change in the direction of the state. Just a thought. Okay, so two things happened this week that um, kind of got my attention. One was Nancy Pelosi started to attack the squad, which is like these four freshman Congress ladies. And anyways, so she starts attacking them. They start tearing each other up, going back and forth on Twitter and in the news and blah, 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 blah. Then on Sunday, Donald Trump jumps into the fray when he didn't need to, and make some comments about the squad that people are considering racist, which probably were, and and then Twitter goes explodes and everybody, you know, so now the whole news cycle starts, or changes, because Donald Trump jumps into this when he probably shouldn't have, should have left it alone. So as I'm processing through this today, I'm looking at all the different hate tweets on both sides on Twitter today, and I'm thinking... What is a Christian to do? What is our response to be in the midst of this hatred? Right? That's what I saw. I, I, you know, one side's tweeting one thing, get him out, and he's a racist president. And the other one's like, the Republicans need to speak up. And then the others are like, well, they need to be honest because some of the comments that they make on the left are anti-Semitic and blah, 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 blah. The whole thing's just ugly. And it just kind of hurt today. And I, as I'm thinking about that, and my, my thought was, what does my response need to be? How do I project peace? And how do I present peace or be an ambassador of peace in the midst of such 
anger and frustration. Now, anything I tweet or say is not going to affect either side. But the people that I encounter on a daily basis who may or may not be influenced by this, how do I interact with them in a peaceful way that points them to Jesus? That being said, as I started to do the notes for tonight's um, message or tonight's pod, this week's podcast, and I'm and I'm looking at the election results of 2018 and how many people voted and how many people decided that, which you heard in my do the math segment. I really started, and then I looked up churches in San Bernardino or churches in California, right? And then I kind of realized, you know what? That's really where I want to be. I want to be about lighting a candle in the darkness. I want to be about shining a light in the darkness. I could sit here and talk about the darkness all day. I could talk about the things that are going on at the state capitol, which I don't mostly agree with. I could talk about the way things are voted. I could talk about the ugly tweets. I could talk about this, talk about that. But when it comes down to it, one of my giftings and one of my callings is to the church. It's to the people of God. And and when I realize that, that's I, mean, I guess I'm just kind of coming to a realization that that's where I need to be. That's where I need to focus my attention because that's where my stronger points are and that's where the anointing comes and that's where the help comes from. But when I start to operate in the political realm, I'm not necessarily equipped for that, nor do I want to be there. Now, I disagree with things on both sides and I agree with some more things on the Republican side and there's, there's things that are going on that I don't agree with. But I don't need I don't feel that I'm the type of I'm the person who needs to create a whole podcast about that. I feel that I need to be the person who's encouraging the encouraging the church and Christians to act with discernment, to act with love. I'm sorry, yeah, to act with to discern, really, to think about the things that are going on and act biblically in today's society because I think that's where our failure as a church is is that we're not acting biblically and so I look at that challenge and I'm thinking this through and I'm like you know what I need to make a change now I'm only two podcasts into this and that's fine this is my third but I'm 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 and I started it not exactly knowing exactly where it was going gonna go I had kind of an idea and I figured I'll get there at some point and it's gonna continue to morph as it grows I can't just be stagnant and I can't just kind of uh, jump in and, and create something else and or create something that shouldn't be, I guess, and, and force myself into a mold that it doesn't need to be. And so I decided tonight that, you know what? No, I'm going to focus where I want my attention to be, and that's going to be on the mission of the church and the message to God's people. So I hope that encourages you. Um, kind of encourages me because you're going to see a different switch. Not that I've had a big old long track record either, but you're going to see a little bit of different switch in the way that I do things and the way things are happening. So stay tuned for more episodes. Okay, welcome to week three version of the Presidential D-League. 
Once again, my opponent is not here, but I'm not going to say that I won straight out, but I'm not going to say that she lost straight out because she's not here. But just based on some of the Twitter picks that I found, uh, I don't know, I think I'm still winning, right? So we have the most recent poll from NBC and Wall Street Journal who has uh, Biden in the top at 26%, which is her team. But then the next three are mine, Warren, Harris, and Sanders. And then you got Mayor Pete, which is hers. And then you got Yang, which is mine, and O'Rourke, which is hers. So out of the top, uh, what have we got? Top seven, she's got three, and I've got four. So I'm a little bit ahead on that one. And then uh, I got a picture of Mayor Pete kissing a dog, or I don't know if he's kissing the dog, but he's talking to the dog and praising people who have dogs. Got a picture of uh, somebody with a baby. Um, but also I take a hit on this one because Kamala Harris only raised $12 million from uh, 279,000 people, but she's way behind Mayor Pete, way behind Biden, um, and way below Bernie. So she's just not fundraising to that level where she necessarily needs to be. So I may take a hit on that one. And uh, I'm looking for one of my other uh, pictures here. Yeah. Yeah, we have all kinds of little things going on here. Anyways. Oh, yeah, and then we have Biden blaming Russia again for interference and saying it wouldn't have happened under his watch, but it did. So that's kind of a little faux pas. But then again, we're used to Biden putting his foot in his mouth and doing stuff like that. And, of course, you still have Harris on the attack. She's still going after Biden. Booker's going after Biden. But then you got the quotes by Andrew Yang, which I love this guy. Uh, he's talking about the Aladdin and Lion King. He says, I find live-action remakes of Aladdin, Lion King, and other movies I grew up with a bit depressing. Same. Uh, it's like we can't come up with new stories. Yeah, what's up with that? Come on, Disney. Can't you come up with something new? I thought you were the most creative geniuses on the planet right up until this most recent spat of all these uh live action remakes which i feel are kind of useless i thought it was great when you came back to cartoons and started making cartoons again but you know this whole live action remakes of those cartoons just isn't cutting it for me so i have to agree with andrew on that one so i'm going to claim week three is a tie i'm going to give uh andrea a benefit of the doubt she's not here not able to defend herself, but I will track her down. Um, she's a little busy these days. They've got a lot of stuff going on at work. And so anyways, uh, but I'm going to track her down and make sure I try to get her on the week four's edition. Maybe we'll have some points and some scores and we can actual, actual this thing up. But right now, I got one on her. So it's a 1-0-1-0-1, which means we won, won one, she lost one, and we tied one. So anyways, uh, thanks, and we'll touch base next week.
Okay, so this week's Art of Discernment comes from the same passage of Scripture, Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, where it says that Jesus made his disciples to get into the boat and go before him to the other side. Basically, he was going to meet up with them on the other side of the lake. And in that, what I see, and part of what I was talking about earlier, is Jesus had a prophetic voice that he spoke to his disciples. And in that prophetic voice is when he spoke to them and basically said, go to the other side and meet me there. And or I will meet you there, basically, right? So he sent them into the storm, into the lake, into to go to the other side, basically kind of protecting them from the crowd because John says that the crowd wanted to take him and make him king. And so Jesus had to disperse the crowd so that it wouldn't um, affect uh, his disciples. And so in that, Jesus sent his disciples into the lake and to meet him on the other side, prophetically knowing that he was going to meet them on the other side. So my question to you today would be is, what is Jesus prophetically telling you to do? What has he designed you for? What, what gift has he given you that he wants you to use? What has he equipped you for, for his good and for his glory that he expects you to, wants you to, and has empowered you to, to use that maybe you're not. Maybe prophetically he spoke to you and says, go do this. And right now you're still sitting on the shore, not even willing to get into the boat for that fact. But he would have you to get in that boat because he's like, I'm going to meet you there in the boat. I'm going to meet you there on the other side where we're, that's our destination. That's where we want to go. We know that Jesus is going to meet us there on the other side. He, we know that he's going to meet us in heaven. But he's also going to meet us on the other side of this next adventure. He's going to meet us on the other side of this next task or this next meeting or this next uh, act of faith and, and whatever that may be. And so Jesus is telling us, simply get in the boat and go. And, and again, kind of pointing back to what I was talking about earlier, one of my challenges this year was to lead, to pray, and to speak. And and so right now, this is my platform to be able to speak to you. And I started to design it on something other than what it necessarily needed to be. See, I, like the other disciples, or I'm sorry, the other multitude of followers that were there to get food, were looking to make Jesus king. Now, I... I'm not saying I want to make Jesus king, but I was looking more at the political realm of things and believing, oh, I have an opinion, which I do, or I have a thought, which I do, and I see things that are wrong, which I do, but that's not that's not what God designed me to do, is to call out on politics or to call out on those things. He's called me to teach the word. He's called me to encourage the church, to encourage believers and, and so in that, I need to focus on my gifting. I need to focus my attention where Jesus wants it focused, where Jesus put it at. And so he took his disciples and he focused their attention. He said, hey, get in the boat and go before me to the other side. I'll meet you there. So he focused their attention. And, and I, I think kind of what I was just going through today, just seeing the turmoil that we're dealing with and in society right now and and maybe a lot of people don't because they don't pay attention but a lot of people do and there's just this huge amount of division huge amount of anger 
outrage, frustration, and violence. I really see violence. And it's just, we of all people need to be ambassadors of peace, ambassadors of reconciliation, ambassadors of hope. And so that would be my challenge here for me now as I begin to put this podcast together in a more formative fashion is how can I encourage the church to be the light in the darkness and to shine the light? Because I may be speaking and then and stir somebody up and it may be somebody else who is stirred up because I've done my part who's going to be stirred up to do their part and their part is that political realm. Their part is that societal realm. Their, their part is that cultural impact. Their part is that. And so, but I've got to realize that my part is to the church. Other people's part is into the world. Other people's part is in politics. Other people's part is in education or in business or in the jails or in, you know what I mean? Because we're all one body. And, and so I've got to look at myself and say, hey, you know what? Yeah, I'm just the hand. I'm not the foot, right? Even though I, it, I guess the foot entertains me politics right if i'm looking at the whatever that is tend to entertain me i look at it as a sport that's why we created the presidential d-league which we'll probably still continue to do because that's just our little bit of humor on what's going on and trying to bring some humor and a little bit more joy to our life versus anger and frustration so anyways my hope for this podcast is to be able to weekly encourage you weekly bless you and weekly just pour out some hope and some light upon you that you can just go forth and be that light and in the darkness, shining your light brighter and and ever so more clearly um, as we see the darkness approaching and thus the fourth watch of the night because it's always darkest before the dawn. God bless you, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Fourth Watch Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell your friends and leave a review. This helps others find us.